Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Cawhorn and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to episode 154, I believe it is. It is our last series or our last episode in our main mental health series, um, which I think by the time it airs, it will be like the first of June. But we wanted to make sure that we had um a good wrap up, a good reflection, and a good time to to sit with the episodes. I know um, at least the three episodes for me were very, very different, um, very diverse, and provided a lot of things to chew on from, you know, middle school mental health and school and adolescence um, to substance abuse, and then to um, mental health and in the rural population um, with Dr. Nora. So I don't know about you, Catherine, but for me, it was a lot, a lot to chew on um, over the last three episodes. Yeah, it was the same for me, Val. Um, Like you say, they were very diverse episodes and, you know, they, as, as it so often happens with our guests, they went in a different direction than I anticipated and it was better than anything I could have come up with on my own. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for each of our guests because they provided such varied perspectives on, on different things in the mental health space and, you know, provided, you know, real experiences, um, real challenges that we're facing in terms of a lack of provider and lack of access. Um, you know, a lot of really good resources that have been put out there for our listeners, which hopefully get shared, you know, further beyond just our listenership. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just how personal it all was, even from each of our three guests, you know, and, and how much they, they truly care and, and have a desire to, to make change in this space because they see how incredibly critical it is. Well, and how, how vulnerable they each were in their own space, you know, like, um, mental health is is something that's more talked about and I think going back to Karen's episode you know when we talked about the the mental health what we feel like is a mental health crisis in in the school space and in children right now um and whether it's a lack whether it's it's we're just now talking about it and identifying it or is it something new and because we don't have the statistics behind that we don't know and I think that was a good gut check for me that we're, we're at least talking about it. You know, we don't, we have our own personal struggles and we, we understand and relate, but like just putting, putting some talk to it is huge, you know, and trying to, to talk about it. And then hopefully we can work towards some resources, but I think just, just being here and talking about it, um, and naming it is a huge first step in in this mental health crisis or or maybe we're maybe we're not in a mental health crisis and maybe we're just all more vulnerable or it's more on social media or it's more on the news you know where i we have a lot more shootings we have a lot more um hate stuff going on um but it's also televised more than it ever has um and so trying to, I've been trying to wrestle with all of that on, are we just now talking about it or is it truly something new that is happening right now? 
Yeah, that's a really good question to ask. And like you say, we don't have very good stats on it, um, as Karen said in the first episode. And I think, you know, to the point of it being more televised, more more available for us to consume, you know, on our news feeds and everything, um, something that, that has sort of struck me is that, um, you know, these these terrible acts of violence and hatred I think, I think this is just my personal thought is, you know, it's got to stem from some sort of mental health challenge, you know, whether, whether someone truly does have, you know, some sort of a diagnosable, um, you know, uh, uh, disease, I suppose is what we can call it, or, you know, are they experiencing feelings of, of extreme loneliness or isolation or, you know, environmental factors that are causing them to, you know, to, to think that these kind of actions are a good idea. And, um, you know, the horrific acts of violence and, and, and there's no excuse for them, but if we peel back the layers and we, we look back towards the root of the, the cause of what made these things happen, you know, I think it, it paints a really clear picture that, that we need to take this much more seriously. And, um, you know, I don't know if anyone will agree with me on saying this, but, you know, try to try to limit the condemnation and instead, you know, honestly get a little curious and say, why did this happen? Yeah, no, I totally hard to feel compassion for, for someone who has done things like that. And I, I don't even know if I'm at that point, but you know, if we want to see real change in our society and our culture, we have to look back towards what is truly happening here and what is the root cause? You know, I'm not even sure that we're treating the symptoms. I think that these symptoms, you know, shootings and acts of violence and all that sort of stuff, those are symptoms of a bigger problem. Um, and, and if we truly want change, we need to set about treating those, you know, those root causes um, because just treating the symptoms, just like in mental health challenges, just treating the symptoms, you know, um, doesn't, doesn't truly fix what the problem is. You have to dig deeper. Well, and it, I know some of our conversations this week, just around, around, around mental health and some of our personal struggles and so forth have been, have been kind of that too. You know, it's like our, our, when I get to a place and I just can't process anymore, I, I scream, I cry, I, and then we try to treat, we try to treat that, which helps in the moment but it, it isn't a long-term solution, you know, and it's not a, it's not sustainable either. And so it's, it is finding, and, and I think, I think empathy, and I'm, I'm almost an extreme here, um, but seeing, you know, feeling what others are feeling, um, and understanding another situation, I end up, I end up internalizing it and taking on a lot more feelings, I should say, than I, than I can bear, um, which is something I'm trying to work on. Um, but encouraging, encouraging the world to have empathy too, and feel, and even just, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to crawl in the trenches with people all the time because you can't emotionally take it all, but, but doing it even a little bit to understand where somebody's coming from, um, I think could help our world a lot more. And I find, you know, I've seen, 
I've seen a lot of hate against, you know, we started Black Lives Matter movement in COVID. We've started again, like anti-Trump stuff. We've, we've done pro-Trump We've you know, you, you get all these different sides of things. And now it's the LGBTQA plus communities too, that are getting a lot of hate and they're showing a lot of hate too. And I, and I wonder if we can't just stop hating, you know, and I, and that's a, that's an extreme thing, but you know, I see the anti-targets, I see the anti-bud lights, I see the anti-this and, and all this, all this hate towards one another. And it's heavy. Like it is heavy stuff that we are trying to process. And it's, it's really hard for me to see. And I, and I find myself, you know, mindlessly scrolling and getting teeth, but can we, can we let the targets of the world, the Bud Lights of the world, the, um, you know, even the, the Trumps of the world, um, go on and do what they're going to do. It doesn't mean we have to support it if you disagree with it for whatever reason, but it doesn't mean you have to flat out hate it, you know, and be so angry towards somebody else. And that's, I guess, my, my reflection a little bit, because I don't, I don't like conflict and I don't like hate, like a specific person. I hate you. Like, I hate, like that just, that's a, that's a trigger for me to, you know, and I'm so trying to, how, how do we share more kindness and how do we acceptance and, and understanding of something that's totally, totally different than we ever know, you know, and, or, and it doesn't have to be full acceptance all the time, but it doesn't have to be flat out hate. If that makes any sense at all. Now, I understand what you're getting at. And I, I think our listeners do too, is that the, you know, I, you never know what someone else is going through, you know, no matter how happy of a face they put on, you never know what someone else is going through and, and you know, how deep it is and how it's affecting them. And, you know, I think that causes people to react in different ways. Some people just put on a smile and put their heads down and get on with the day. And then, you know, you just pile all that stuff on and it ends up exploding, you know, in one form or another, or, you know, people lash out and they, you know, they say hateful things and it's easy, you know, to say stuff like that behind a screen or to get caught up in a mob, you know, and, and, and storm the police station, um, you know, that sort of thing. And I, you know, it goes, those are all symptoms of, of what we're experiencing as a as a society. And I, you know, maybe this is a little bit off of the beaten track that we're trying to go down, but I would argue that, you know, overwork, um, is something that, that we're grappling with in our, in our society. And, you know, the, the constant pressure to be busy all the time and to, you know, to monetize things that you enjoy your hobbies and stuff like that, because if you're not making money, you're, you're not worth it. What the hell is the point, you know, and not taking time to rest and to, to rejuvenate and to reset, which is such a critical, you know, component of, of, of being a human being. And I think that we have just really lost that as a society in, in terms of, um, you know, 
having this mindset that we have to be constantly productive. And I think that'll lead into, um, you know, what we wanted to discuss next in this episode with, with Nora's episode. But before we lead into that, I just wanted to say that yesterday, my daughter came home from daycare and, um, she and her dad were planting flowers. Well, Jimmy was planting flowers and (laughs) Harper was playing in the dirt and Jimmy had to water some stuff and he had made a little mud puddle and he tried to keep her out of it, but he turned his back and, you know, as a 20 month old will do, she, she found her way right into the mud puddle. And, um, I got home to this incredibly dirty kid and my first reaction was an incredible smile and happiness and Jimmy and I stayed out there for two hours watching this little girl get completely filthy <laughs> with absolute pure unadulterated joy. And I thought, man, does this little girl have so much to teach us because she is playing for the pure joy of playing and exploring and, and discovery. And man, I know that in our lives, we have lost that, you know, we were so tired at the end of the day that we to go and you know Jimmy likes to woodwork or putter in his shop I enjoy making cheese and writing and you know we just we haven't made a priority for those things because because there's work you know and parenting and all of that sort of stuff and it's really taken a toll now that I've I've taken a step back and, and reflected on that and you know Harper I mean she was just such a good reminder of that and I think, you know, we, we need to take our cues from little people who, who know how to do that still. And, and it also gave me the thought that I don't want that beaten out of her. You know, I, I want her to play. I I want her to play for as long as she can and to develop a mindset of imagination and, and recreation, you know, and I, I think that we have lost that as a society. And I can only imagine that that adds to our mental health struggles. I know that it has for me because when all I'm doing is working and and chores and all that sort of stuff, I lose sight of the joy. And that definitely has an impact on, on what I struggle with, with depression and anxiety. Well, and, you know, I, I reflect back, it's been a few weeks ago, but, you know, with, and this ties a little bit into Nora's episode, you know, talking about how, how hard farmers work and how long, how many hours a day they work. Um, but feeling guilty for going to a bachelorette party for a weekend or traveling to my half marathon or doing the things that I had worked hard or enjoyed doing, I felt flat out guilty for going, you know, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't. You know, those like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. And maybe it's shame. Maybe it's more of a shame than guilt because it's, um, I didn't do anything wrong and I didn't, I communicated and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you just, you don't feel like you can take those opportunities to unplug or you don't feel like you can step away from the endless checklists at work and on the farm and in the house that, I can never get done to go do things that, that make you happy and that celebrate other people and, and challenge you, you know, outside your comfort zone, um, in positive ways and trying to, trying to get, just finding ways to get, get back there too, you know, in the busy, busy season and the, the phone and, you know, all that is, 
is challenging. It really is. It really is. And I so resonate with what you say about shame and guilt. Um, you know, I, I grew up on a dairy and we worked all the time and that's just how it was. And I very much enjoyed it. There is no other way that I would have wanted to grow up. And I would love for my babies to grow up in that kind of an environment. But, um, for a long time, um, through college and, and, you know, the first part of my career felt incredibly for, you know, not doing much on the weekends or, or for going off and having adventures, um, you know, almost as though I hadn't earned it because compared to my parents, you know, I will, I will never measure up to the kind of work and bootstrapping that they have done over the last 40 years. And, you know, I've talked with my parents about this because, you know, I get feelings of burnt out and mental exhaustion, all this stuff. And I, I look at my parents and I'm like, you know, for 15 years, they got up at three o'clock in the morning, went and milked cows, fed cows, you know, took care of cows, calves, they farmed all of these sorts of things. And they'd get home at nine o'clock or midnight or whatever. And they had three kids and, and they would get up and do it over again, you know, to pursue their dream. And I'm like, what, what right do I have to feel the way that I do? And I've talked with my parents about it and they, they said, no, don't you dare. Don't you dare do that because you're living in an entirely different world and, and you have a career that is demanding and, and you've taken on projects that, you know, you have decided to pursue and you're using your skills and talents to do that. And so your experience is not less than ours. It's different than ours, but it does not make you less worthy of rest and Thing that I worked on with my therapist is that rest doesn't have to be earned. Rest is rest is a requirement. You know, it, it's critical. You, it's not something you earn. You are intrinsically entitled to that. You know, in order to remain a sane and healthy human being. And you know, to go back to my parents, I, you know, I I love them. particularly my dad and daddy, I know you're going to listen to this and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think that you have a lot of wisdom in what I'm about to say, um, that he has worked every day since he was 12. And, you know, whenever we sit down, even if it's for half a day at Christmas or he comes to visit us, um, you know, he has a really hard time sitting still. And in some cases that's really good because he helps us get projects done. Um, but, he has a hard time resting because, you know, he, he, he's just done it for so long and has the mindset that, you know, physical labor is where your, where your worth comes from. And, and dad has said to me, you know, that he says to other people in his life, um, you know, my siblings and, and, and everyone that don't do to yourselves what I did to me. Don't think that you can't go and rest. Don't think that you can't go off and have adventures with your children. You know, he said, he said, there's no hope for me. He said that to me before, but, but don't follow in my footsteps in that regard. And, you know, I, that's such a present way of thinking and, and, and uh, I'm glad that he has that encouragement for us, but I'm also a little sad that, you know, he can't do that for himself. Yeah, no. And I think one, I want to thank you for sharing that because I think the majority of of production agriculture can relate <laughs> in some form or fashion, whether it's themselves or or somebody they know. Um, and it's and it's getting to a point too where 
I think it's, you know, going back to, we have to name it, we have to talk about it to solve it or, or be okay. And it's, it's being okay for, to ask for help or step away and, and know that everything will be semi-okay when you get back, which is really hard to do when you talk about things that are living, growing and breathing, whether it's plants or animals. Um, and and it's working to shift the mindset and, and maybe it's different, you know, where like an eight to five job, it's like you have the weekends and I know farmers and ranchers don't have quote unquote weekends, but can you, can you take a Sunday afternoon to just completely unplug and go sit on the boat or, you know, it can still be active if, if sitting still is not something you're doing. And this is me just throwing, throwing ideas out, but just that consistent rest and recharge, um, I think is, is really important. And I think something maybe we need to encourage a little bit more often. Um, and, and not, and I think change our own self narrative because I'm like, I can, for example, the other night when I didn't get the episode, um, aired, for example, and I texted you and said, Oh, I'm being lazy tonight. I should have said I'm taking, I'm resting, you know, or or something like that. Maybe changing our our negative um self-talk, you know, instead of I'm being lazy, I'm I'm resting, I'm recharging, I'm unplugging. Um and changing the narrative within our within our groups too to 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 make that a more positive thing rather than a, a negative thing. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right, Valine. And you're, you know, when you, when you told me that the other night, I didn't care about the episode. I was so delighted that you were taking that time for yourself. I was honestly so proud because I know how hard that is for you. (laughs) (laughs) You are one of the hardest working people I know. And I mean, again, just rest is critical and changing the narrative around this conversation, you know, it, it's a huge challenge for, for our industry um, because, because our industry does require incredibly hard work and, you know, there's no way that we could ever go to a four day work week or a, you know, there's no such thing as a 40 hour work week in farming. Um, but, you know, eh, we have to protect ourselves. We have to protect ourselves as our industry and our families and our communities. Um, because we've seen the harms that this, that this perpetrates, you know, um, you know, suicide among farmers is, is alarmingly high. Um, you know, particularly when, you know, someone who's older and, and can't function the way that they used to physically, um, they think they don't have anything to contribute anymore because they can't get out there and, you know, run a shovel or something. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. You know, your, your families and your friends and your communities want you and need you. And, and you have, you know, you have so much to contribute with your own, with your own experience. And, you know, I think you're right. It's absolutely critical that we need to change these these mindsets and these internal narratives and I mean I'll be honest right now I have no idea how to go about doing that besides doing something like this and and just you know having real conversations with people in our lives 
Yeah. No, and it's, I think, going back to, you know, Daniel's episode and Nora's episode, it's just talking about it. And like the fact that um, if we um, can talk about it, we may be saving one life, you know, and one life is worth it. Um, and it's, you know, as, I, as we're, we're talking about this, um, I was at my parents' house last night and there was, I was supposed to ride my horse and rope and do all this fun stuff, but it was raining. And so we ended up playing cards, um, for a little bit and just had dinner and I headed home and we were talking, um, we lost, so we lost grandpa. Um, it's been about a less than a year ago, I guess now. Um, or maybe it's been longer than that. Yeah, it's been longer. It's been a year and a half, I guess. Um, and we, um, and then we're, my other grandpa's aging and, you know, just talking about that whole process from two, two very active men, but two different approaches to aging too, and how their, the longevity of their life has, has played out in that role too. Papa's content, um, with, with seeing the world and not being quite as active. And he's got a lot milder personality than grandpa did. Um, and when grandpa stopped moving, his health declined quickly. And it was, and this, this is not medical diagnosis at all, but like from my observation, it was that he, he quit moving and his, his purpose in life was to move. It was to explore. It was to travel. It was to see. And when that was taken from him, a lot of things changed mentally and physically. Um, and I, and I think that's, I mean, that's the saying in ag too, you stop moving and you die. And I think that's, that's another narrative we've got to, to change a little bit is, is finding, finding worth in people's um, intelligence and their, their ability to offer advice and stuff, um, long after their body isn't able to do as much as it used to be able to do. Yes. Yep. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, it, it, I don't know. I'm not old yet, or at least not too old. <laughs> but I imagine, um, you know, losing the ability to do something that you've done your whole life has got to be incredibly demoralizing. Um, I can only imagine that. And, and, you know, I think it's up to, up to people around them and their support system to, to show them that, that they are still as worthy as they have ever been and just as needed and wanted as they have ever been. Yep. Absolutely. There's work, there's work to do as, as support systems too you know, um, yeah, it's probably awkward, but a lot of stuff we talk about is awkward and we just, we just have to be willing to have those awkward conversations and get vulnerable, as you said earlier, which is not easy for anyone, but particularly those of us in ag, because, you know, if you're vulnerable, what we take care of prey animals. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think what we've continued to learn over, over doing a main mental health series again, um, is 
man, it's a journey. There's not a destination. Um, just hopefully continuous improvement all along the line and taking care of ourselves and, and those of us around us. Um, you know, being a community to each other and just, just loving on each other, <laughs> like you said earlier. Yep. No, I think we can, we can do more of that. And there's, you know, going through the Twitter feed, which is a feat in itself. Um, but you see, you see all sides of the situation and we follow a lot of agriculturalists um, in some form or fashion. And you see, you see all sides of the story and you know that there's a lot more people in agriculture that are struggling with things we don't even know about. Um, and, and some of our harsh comments or jokes, um, could maybe sting in a way that we didn't know. And nobody's going to ever say anything because that's the way it's always been. And it's, and it's recognizing that it's okay to be, it's okay to be a little bit different. It's okay to be a little bit, um, you know, soft. Um, and we've got to learn to, to respect all of that and find, find a home for everybody in ag because we are a dwindling population. And, and as our population grows and shifts um, different demographics and stuff, if we can't learn to accept and, and work with people that have different opinions and different mindsets, we're never going to, we're never going to be truly sustainable into the future. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, if we don't if we don't grow and evolve, I mean, we know exactly how that works out. And I, I think that doesn't just apply to, you know, our, our farming and production techniques. It applies to our mindsets and and how we view our health. You know, we have more technology and ever that makes makes the physical labor, you know, a lot less than it used to be. No doubt there's always going to be physical labor involved in production ag, but um, you know, technology has advanced so far to help make our lives physically easier on the farm. Um, you know, we, we need to be able to take that time that we have back and use it to, to shape and shift a new mindset. Yep. No. And I think that's, I think that's a great way to leave this episode too. Um, you know, and get people thinking on how, how we can change and shift and being, there's a lot more we can do with our time but it's using it wisely and respecting ourselves and respecting others to rejuvenate and reset conversation and morality um, in, in rural America, but I think in the country as a whole too. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It needs to be a cultural shift. Um, yeah. You know, I, we've talked about it before, but you know, the, the culture that's portrayed in the media and everything and that we experience, I think, you know, we can see it in our own lives has become toxic, you know, and this is not how, I don't think this is how humans were meant to live, <laughs> you know, seek joy, seek rest, take, you know, take, take life in and, and enjoy life for the, the parts that, don't make money that aren't necessarily productive to what the outside world might consider it to be, you know, take time to be a human. Yeah. One, one of my Bible studies, it's been a few years ago, but 
she brought up the point. Um, we need to figure out how to be less of a human doing and more of a human being. And that's kind yes. of always, you know, sat with me a little bit about there's definitely a mindset when I'm trying to get things done, trying to meet deadlines, trying to keep the house clean, sweep up all the dirt and lawn clippings and stuff that have made it into the house, you know, and then I sit and look at my flowers and I look at the growth they've had, or I go walk the canal banks and watch the dog be really silly, um, you know, and just finding what was that? Or get sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. If anybody needs skunk remedies, call me. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's finding it's finding those joys and and getting back to being present and maybe a little like being proactive in our mental health and more reactive to doing things we enjoy to do. You know, when somebody picks up the phone and says, "Hey, let's go grab a drink," or "Hey, let's go for a walk." What can I clear my schedule so that I can be be available for those people? Because that's that's where I find joy, you know. Oh my gosh, Val, I love that. Proactive in our mental health and reactive to to rest and, and joy. I forgot the exact words you just used, but I love <laughs> that. Reactive an invitation. Yep, let's go. Let's, you know, leave the dishes, let's head out. <laughs> And it's so hard to do because like one of my anxiety, like, like clutter gives me anxiety. You know, you walk into the house and see stacks of stuff or piles of stuff that I haven't got to. And it give it does give me anxiety. Um, and trying to, um, trying to remind myself that that will be there tomorrow and that I can ask for help with some of that stuff too, whether it's, um, you know, we've, out, you know, asking for some house cleaning help or um, asking my husband to, you know, maybe mow the lawn or do something rather than me feeling like I have to take it all in or it just gets done when it gets done. And if I have piles of lawn clippings, I have piles of lawn clippings, you know, even though it <laughs> drives me crazy, like it's not going to hurt anybody at the end of the day. Like it might not be as eye appealing, but it's not going to hurt anything. And so trying to Trying to remember the the truly, truly important things in life has helped me, um, but it's not always easy when you, when I push off all those dishes or I push off cleaning or something like that and there's piles and piles, you know, and then it gets overwhelming. So it's figuring out a balance between it too and trying to, to, to work it in with everything too seems to be, you know, the best when I'm at my best, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand a hundred percent what you're saying. And, you know, it, it's so hard for us, but I think probably one of the best things that we can do is try to model it for the people in our lives. You know? Yep. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I don't, I mean, the best they tell you in leader in any leadership training of any sorts um, that the best example is by, by modeling it yourself. Um, and whether it's, you know, being a, being a leader in your family, in your church, in your community or at work or in a political aspiration, it's trying to take that, that higher road. And it's 
when everybody else seems to be falling into the shame, blame, hate realm, how can you rise above? And, and it's, it's making sure you have your confidants too to rant to and get those negative energies out on. Um, and then having, having some positivity, some rest, some, some courage to say no, um, as well. Yep. Yep. You're right. And I think, I think that's a great place to leave this episode, you know, give, give ourselves something to ruminate on and, and for our listeners, hopefully listeners, we, we really hope that you have enjoyed this series on mental health. Um, we can, we, we plan to do it um, every year. And as you know, we will, you know, we talk about mental health a lot. It's not just confined to one month. Um, you know, we hope that you found value in this and, and resources and, and hope and encouragement. Um, you know, Valine and I, we've been through some of this stuff and, and we can, we can empathize 100%. And, um, look at the end of our write-ups on our podcast for this month and you will find some really great resources um to be able to to utilize and don't be afraid to reach out to the people around you you know someone you trust someone you love who you know will just listen to you and and hopefully help you you know figure out what you need to do to to move forward and and be your your healthiest and most whole self yeah and it i think the biggest thing is having courage to text one person or one family member um, and ask for help. And it's, it's really encouraging how, um, how many people actually show up and, and, and go, I've been there. I know what you're feeling. It's, it's more than you will ever know. Um, And so we encourage you to have the courage to ask for help or, look at resources or call your doctor or whatever you need to do. It, it's hard. It's hard. Um, but I think it'll, it'll be worth it. And, and we're here to bounce ideas off of too. Um, and, and yeah, reach out to the people that, that matter to you um, and let them know how much they mean to you too. That, that can surprisingly go a long way for somebody's day as well. Uh, so we we appreciate you guys all listening into our main mental health series. Um, we'll dive into another couple episodes on June Dairy Month starting in June. Um, and so we we hope you tune in for that. But we want to hear from you. Uh, what did you like about main mental health? What what are you wrestling with? Um, what are some of your thoughts? Um, drop us a line. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Till next week, we are Millennial Ag.